Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're talking with principal analyst Ian Jacobs about how AI will impact customer service organizations over the next five years. Welcome, Ian. Thanks for having me. Great. So, Ian, knowing that this conversation will take a look at kind of the future state or what's going to happen over the next five years, I think a good starting point would be what is the current state of the state in terms of AI and automation within customer service organizations today? Sure. When people talk about AI and customer service, their brain almost immediately goes to conversational AI, virtual assistants, chatbots, your interactions with brands through some Alexa-enabled device. And there clearly is a lot of energy and momentum for brands to invest in those technologies, primarily for cost savings, um, but in some cases to also change the economic model so that they can open up new customer touch points. For example, communicating with customers on WhatsApp. If you had to just staff up a completely new channel with you know 50 new agents, it may be cost prohibitive. But if a chatbot can handle 30% of that volume, now you only need 35 people and maybe it becomes more attractive. So that's the very visible face of where AI is hitting customer service. Um, as our research shows and as probably everybody listening has experienced, the quality of the conversational AI is, well, not very good um, <laughs> right now. There are some brands who are better than others, but overall, Uh, We're still early in the game and brands are still figuring out how to design a conversation that seems human-like and actually understands what you want to do and where you might actually want to talk to some sort of automation rather than a human being. But AI's impact on customer service today is is significantly deeper than just the sort of uh, chatbot front end that everybody recognizes. We're seeing, for example, fairly deep uh, adoption of AI in things like the tools and processes that brands use to manage their customer service organizations, how they measure quality, um, how they actually figure out what resources they need to accurately meet the demand of customers at any given point. So you don't sit in a long queue, for example. Um, So tools like workforce management, quality monitoring are all becoming AI-infused. And then the final thing I'm going to point to is speech analytics and conversation analytics. Um, It's sort of the flip side of the chatbot question because the goal up front of both of those technologies of chatbots and conversational analytics is to understand what customers are saying. What does it mean? But with analytics, you start to make changes to the broad organization rather than respond to an individual customer. Um, And the ability to recognize what customers are saying and then to understand what those words actually mean is improving by leaps and bounds through the injection of artificial intelligence technologies, particularly machine learning, into conversational analytics. So we've got kind of a wide array of where AI is is shifting the ground in customer service today. 
So I'm going to do exactly probably what you don't want me to do, Ian, which is to take you right back to chatbots, where all the hype is anyway. So before we go to what probably is more of the interesting pieces that you started to hit on, on chatbots, you made the comment that they're not always as effective. I think we can all attest to that in our personal lives of of interacting with them. Is that a technology problem or is that a company's brand still just don't understand their customers nor how they actually want to interact with technology, chatbots, artificial intelligence, uh, conversational interfaces, et cetera. I'm assuming it's a combination of the both, but which is the stronger influencer there? So I would actually say there's a third element involved, and it's probably about a third, a third, and a third um, causing the problems. Um, So to your point, not understanding the customers is kind of choosing the wrong use cases. Right, mm-hmm. starting too broad, not trying to automate the very simple things, but saying, hey, we want to automate everything, or we want to dive deep into a very valuable process and automate that end to end rather than starting small and learning and incrementing and iterate, iterating and so on. Um, so that is definitely a problem. There are some technology problems. For example, the experience when a chatbot cannot answer your question and it sends you to a human being and then you have to repeat the whole spiel about what your problem is, right? That's a technology problem. They just didn't pass the context in a meaningful way so that an agent could immediately consume it, synthesize the previous part of the conversation and then jump in and say, hey, Sharon, I see you're having a problem with this. Let me help. Right? So that's a technology issue. But I think the unheralded part of this is the conversation piece. So we don't really talk about chatbots that much. We talk about conversational AI because it's broader than just chat. It could be a voice-based experience. And conversational AI has two pieces, as the name implies. There's the conversation piece and there's the AI piece. And I think the brands are having a lot of trouble with the conversation piece, designing conversations so that they actually seem human. They have... IT people or technology people building these conversations. They have AI experts building them, but really you need conversational designers. People know how, people who know how people talk, how they interact, what sounds natural in a conversation and what sounds wonky. So it's just like a whole skill set that brands are not hiring for. Are they not hiring for them because they don't exist or there aren't that many out there or they're just not realizing that that's a a requirement? Uh, It's a combination of the two. They are scarce, but they're less scarce, for example, than AI experts are, right? If you're a brand in New York City or London or Toronto or any of the major financial centers, trying to hire somebody with deep AI expertise is really tough because all the big financial services institutions throw gobs of money at them. So they're really hard to find. Um, Brands just haven't gotten creative enough, I think, around figuring out who they could hire that actually understands dialogue. One of our customers, one of the technology vendors, has actually started trying to hire screenwriters to, to do dialogue design. Um, in New York, there are a lot of people who write pilots for pilot season. And if their pilot doesn't get picked up, 
they got to pay the rent for the next year until their next pilot is in contention, right? So they're writing pilots, but part-time, this vendor thinks, well, maybe they can write dialogue for us. That's kind of creative thinking about how to find people who actually can craft meaningful and engaging dialogue. And I don't think that brands are starting to think that far outside of the box. But to your point, there also just aren't that many people who, you know, put out a shingle saying, hey, I'm a conversational designer. Mm-hmm. Well, there's clearly, and maybe this is an obvious statement, but, you know, as I was like prepping for this, I was like, oh, we're going to get deep into the different kinds of, you know, AI technologies, RPA, how this can be used in customer service organizations. But really, that's only like a part of the story. The other part is what we're sort of hitting on here is that there's a whole uh, process re-engineering, talent acquisition, culture change thing that is connected to how this evolves within customer service organizations. Like this is not just a technology question as most of these conversations are not. I I think that's fair and maybe even understating the impact on customer service because customer service is such a people heavy uh, function. It's the biggest cost of any contact center um, in the world is the people. It's not the technology. It's not the physical building. It's not the computers and the headsets, right? It's the people. Um, because there are so many people who work in those buildings compared to the amount of work that they're doing. And the changes that AI is going to reap um, are going to ripple through that people part of it. So the people part obviously drives the process part. So technology is going to really sort of have a fundamental change uh, or cause a fundamental change in the people part of the business. Um, and then, right, all of the changes that you're talking about around process um, are going to flow from that. So we, we talk a lot, as you know, Forrester, about the future of work and the future of workforce and how automation and robots are going to influence that. I have to believe customer service, customer service agents, representatives, et cetera, are, are some of the first to actually deal with that, to maybe not physically, but virtually sit side by side with a robot as they're doing their job. Are there lessons learned there? What have, what have we learned about that transition for that type of workforce? Uh, so there's two, if we're talking about working side by side with, with automation. The first is that we've finally gotten to a tipping point where brands are, hey, finally listening to me, saying uh, that you probably should be starting with those internal use cases where you're trying to augment the performance of your agents. Because AI uh, is one trend, but there are other trends going on in customer service, and customer service organizations are getting better at providing other forms of customer self-service to their customers. And that means that simple things, either through automation through AI or through other kind of self-service means, are disappearing from the workflow of human agents. They now have to deal with more complex issues. So augmenting their performance through technology, having them work side by side with a robot, so to speak, um, is an obvious way to actually drive better customer experiences as well as 
better agent experiences. Remember what I said, the human cost is the biggest cost in a contact center. So if you make the job really difficult and you don't provide any support, those people then leave in greater numbers. So your costs rise because now you have to do recruiting, hiring, and training for new people, right? And a constant churn of people is just very expensive, very disruptive, and obviously has a very negative impact on customer experience. So the first lesson really is that you need to go into this thinking about this internal agent augmentation, perhaps even before you think about the use cases for customer-facing automation. The second lesson is, is sort of a related one, which is the work that the internal people do side-by-side side with robots actually improves the technology to the point where it gets good enough that you can now make it customer-facing. Essentially, what I'm saying here is you have the agents actually training through machine learning the, the automation, and then once it hits some confidence threshold that you want, right, it's going to be right with the right answer 88% of the time or 92% of the time or whatever your threshold is, then you can let it loose on your customers, but not before then. So instead of experimenting on your customers, you're essentially using the captive testbed of your agents to improve the quality of your AI, particularly the conversational AI, and then, and only then, do you let it loose on customers. So you get both the benefit of improving the job of your agents as you're making it more difficult, but you also have kind of a human training loop here from your agents improving the experience of your customers at some point when you're ready to have them interact with the conversational AI. So maybe an extension of Sharon's question, perhaps negatively put, but what are some of the things that firms don't consider as they're infusing customer service with AI? Yeah, so I try and be in Mr. Positive vibes here <laughs> and, and not look at it in the negative, um, but I understand where you're coming from, like, well, what are the things to really avoid the pitfalls that you might face because other brands have clearly fallen into those traps. Um, so one big one is not recognizing that the, the impact that I talked about of what we call the automation paradox, right, that the work will get more difficult as you automate more and more of it, um, that that really changes how you have to manage people. Um, who these people are may even need to change, right? You may need to hire new people. And so brands fall flat often by saying, oh, we can just upskill the people we have. Well, if the, the questions are complicated enough, if the issues that those people have to deal with are complicated enough, if the experiences that you're trying to get them to provide are brand-specific enough, you may need new people. And Customer service organizations, you know, I, I, I don't want to use the word cheap, but they are extremely cost conscious, right? That cost containment is always job number one, always, always, always. Even if we convince them intellectually the customer experience might require some investment and that the payback greatly outweighs any cost savings that they would get. But that thinking is just so ingrained and so difficult to overcome um, that it, it spins off all these problems, right? They're not managed, they're not hiring the right people. They're managing them to efficiency-based metrics, right? How quickly can they serve customers? Um, 
can they get customers off of the expensive channels like phone to cheaper channels like digital channels such as chat or, or messaging platforms, right? That, that thinking is causing a huge number of problems and the inclusion of AI into the mix just exacerbates those problems because of the amplification effect I talked about in changing the work that we're asking people to do. So really what we need to do is overcome this thinking that puts the, the contact center as a cost center in the enterprise's mind and turn it into something where it's like the, the experience engine for the organization, where we actually start to get really true, well and truly customer obsessed. But that's a big ask. Huge ask. Has anybody made that leap? And what was the kind of jumping off point? I mean, I, you, you could see that world, right, where all the, cust- all the metrics are more about customer value and experience and so forth. But to your point, that's such a dramatic leap, particularly for customer service organizations. So what have you seen work to to trigger that kind of massive mind shift for an organization? Well, so there's one area or one vertical um, or one function where it tends to be very easy. And that is if there's a pot of gold at the end of that particular rainbow, i.e. if there's revenue and commerce, um, involved, mm-hmm. it's very easy to see this, right? There's a reason that when I'm at customer service conferences and I'm speaking, I always joke about the Zappos drinking game, right? Anytime somebody says Zappos, let's take a drink and we'll be drunk off our booties by the end of the conference. Um, and it's because they recognize very early on, Zappos did, that that customer obsession actually leads directly, customer obsession in the contact center in particular, um, leads to improved revenue, increased wallet share with individual customers, um, increased number of net new customers, and increased loyalty for the customers that they do have. Um, and if you think about what Zappos was before the Amazon acquisition, and even today, it's basically a giant contact center and a giant warehouse, and that's the whole business. And that's all there is. They are basically a big contact center. So any brand that, that can foresee this transition from a service interaction into a sales interaction kind of gets this transition, or at least gets the vision and says, okay, I can sort of see why we would want to go down this route. Right? And it's often the best way to serve a customer is to actually sell them something different. I know that sounds very mercenary, but if they bought a product that's not doing what they expected or in a B2B scenario where the salesperson kind of oversold the capability and it's just the wrong fit, getting them the right thing, the right widget is actually probably the best way to serve them. So there may well be incremental revenue just sitting there in the contact center, but you're never going to find that out if you're trying to rush the customer off the phone, right? So the commerce piece is easy to understand. For the other parts of the organization, frankly, it's usually a metrics change that comes from above. Somebody in charge of customer experience makes the contact center people responsible, just like they do for many other organizations, such as marketing or operations, responsible for customer-based outcomes, whatever those metrics are, whether it's net promoter score or customer effort score, whatever the, the sort of North Star metric is, when that suddenly becomes part of the responsibility of the customer service organization, 
that kind of have to change their thinking. Their job depends on it, or at least their bonus depends on it, right? Um, and so that that's the other way that we've seen be effective. What has not worked at all, really, is the sort of um, kumbaya, let's all hold hands, you just need to work together from above. There really needs to be some metrics-driven change that actually gets people on board with the same customer-obsessed message. So knowing that there are other components that need to change, right, the culture, operations, metrics, what have you, what are you observing or what will occur in the next sort of three to five years in terms of AI getting more infused within those organizations? Are there specific use cases? We've talked about a few of them, but I'd like to dig in a little bit more specifically about prescriptive AI or sort of like the AI-infused desktop technologies. Like what are you thinking is going to be, you know, a reality in the next three to five years? So I'll start with the one where we've already started to see good adoption, um, and I think that's just going to snowball. And that actually led to one of our predictions in our predictions 2020 for customer service. And that is um, AI in the area of automated quality monitoring. So right now, contact centers typically have a quality team with quality analysts who listen to a random sample of phone calls or review chat logs for web chat, something like that. Um, it's like we're going to listen to 2% of every agent's calls or three calls per agent per month. The problem with random sampling is that most of the calls that you end up listening to are really boring and nothing much happens. There, there's no value added to the business or no value taken away from the business. They're just fine. And fine is not very interesting when you're trying to manage performance, right? You actually want to work on either extreme where there are lessons that you can teach people from the agents who handle a situation brilliantly or the ones where a particular agent has a particular problem or a deficit in, in their skills and you want to train them so they don't repeat those problems. Using AI, you can now start to monitor every single phone call and you can flag the ones that a human being needs to listen to. So now they're still listening to the same number of calls. They're just listening to the ones that are actually important, the ones that actually move the needle on performance for individual agents, for the customer service organization, and ultimately for the brand itself. The other thing that we're seeing with automated quality is that the, the tools are now starting to get good enough that you can start to actually do some basic evaluation of every call, not just figure out that this is a call where a customer started happy and ended up upset, so there's probably something to listen to, but actually start to rate the agent's performance across 100% of the calls, which is obviously more fair for the agents, too. It's no more like, hey, you picked the three calls where you know, the customers were impossible. That's not fair. Well, it's hard to argue that it's not fair when you're being evaluated on 100% of your work. It is the totality of what you do. The one effect of this that was part of, well, actually was the core of our prediction, was that unlike a lot of the expectations that customer service agents were going to be the first group inside of customer service organizations to see their ranks decline, i.e. they would get fired um, and replaced by bots, we're actually seeing 
quality management and quality monitoring teams being reduced because some brands are not saying, hey, we're going to redeploy these people and now listen to the calls that matter and maybe take these people and have them also do some one-on-one coaching. The brands are going back to that cost-first thinking and actually reducing the ranks of QA teams. I don't think that that's a great long-term strategy, uh, but that is, for example, an impact that we're already seeing. A, a second thing that we're, we're expecting to see is another kind of unintended consequence of AI, and that is uh, right now we are in a transition phase for contact center outsourcing, so the third parties that provide customer service for brands. We all know that, uh, that outsourced agents um, are not that popular, particularly in North America and the UK, where the work is often offshored to places like the Philippines or India, and you have accent issues, and you have some cultural misfit issues. But again, if you can provide service with fewer people um, and have the same quality of service and the same amount of service, the economics start to shift. And now we're seeing brands increasingly interested in bringing work to nearshore locations. So for North America, that's places like the Caribbean or Colombia or Mexico, um, or back onshore, back to the U.S., for example, for, North, for, for U.S. brands or Canada for Canadian brands, um, because the economics uh, due to AI now favor that. So you may spend the exact same amount as you were spending five years ago on outsourcers, but the quality is now improved simply because you don't have accent issues to overcome you have cultural fit. So I don't think that anybody was starting to build chatbots thinking, hey, we're going to cause a revolution in where contact center outsourcers place their contact centers. But those are the kind of unintended consequences that are happening or will be happening at least over the next couple of years. So, Ian, I'm going to push you for a second here and try and put some looks into your crystal ball and think out about 10 years. Um how would you describe what you think the prototypical customer service organization or call center is going to look like in that world? Um, is it closer to what we see today with, you know, massive numbers of, of customer service agents augmented by some cool AI? Or does it move so drastically to a world where there's so much AI that it's doing the majority of the work and we're really just focused then on a small, small handful of um, highly empathetic, really impactful, you know, ambassadors instead of just agents? Is it that big of a shift? Well, I will give you the prototypical analyst answer. It depends. Um, Because there are still going to be low-cost leaders out there. That's the brand promise that they're going to make. And so they will move as much as possible to that vision of automation everywhere, up and down the line in customer service, um, because that's the only way they will be able to deliver on that low-cost brand promise. That's not most brands, however. So the brands that are not in that category are going to be closer to an organization like we have today, um, potentially with smaller supporting staff, right? We will see more AI doing some of the coaching, um, both in real time during the course of a customer service interaction and also like coaching and training of agents broadly. 
Um, you'll see fewer agents, but they're still going to be around. And we see a little bit of this thinking today that kind of points the way that we're going to go in 10 years. And it's a lot of the just because we can doesn't mean we should thinking. Um, we have a client, Forrester client, who provides life insurance. And one of the things that they have as a very common interaction type is somebody making a claim on that insurance policy. But that means somebody died, right? And usually that means somebody close to the person making the claim died, a loved one, a friend, whoever it was who, who named them in the policy. So this insurer recognizes that they can automate a whole bunch of the upfront part of a customer service interaction, like authenticating who you are. They don't need a human being for that. Voice biometrics can do that. Trying to determine exactly what your question is, right? determining the intent can be done with automation. But they recognize that this, the, the, the person making the claim is in likely some sort of emotional distress. And they decided as an organization that you know, they never want to automate that function. Like that always needs to be a human to human connection. That's kind of an edge case, sure. But if you think through the points of peak emotion of your experience with brands, with products, it's often when things go wrong. And so brands who are thinking about it that way are going to keep humans in the loop for a long time. Yeah, the numbers are going to decrease, but I don't think that the, the vision of you know, an army of robots sitting at, at uh, desks with headphones answering our calls is, is the reality 10 years from now. So I'm going to pull you back to today. Knowing all of the dynamics, the existing tech, forthcoming tech adoption, legacy thought processes or cost consciousness of these organizations, what are, you know, maybe two to three things that you would advise leaders today as they start thinking about either introducing this technology or AI a bit more within their organizations or, you know, accelerating that adoption? So the first is going to sound basic, but you really need to understand the, 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 the rudimentary pieces of AI, what they do and what it means before you can make meaningful decisions. Let me just give you one example here. Uh, this idea that machine learning will take our interactions that I have with a bot, that you have with a bot, will consume it all and will magically make things better. Right? It'll just improve over time with no human involvement. That's not how machine learning works. So you need to actually understand the basics of machine learning. That's tough because you're an executive um, and that's why you hire machine learning people. Well, the data scientists don't necessarily know how contact centers work. So it, it's got to be some sort of governance approach that marries the understanding of the technology with the understanding of the function. And far too often today, we either get the business leaders coming to us who don't understand the underpinnings of technology or the technologists who just take a set of requirements and try and make it work without any understanding of the business. The second is something that I've I wouldn't even say hinted at. I think I said explicitly before, but I'm going to make it even more explicit now. AI is obviously going to have an impact on the customer experience directly because customers are going to interact with your brand's AI. But you're likely to get a bigger bang for your buck 
over the next three to five years by focusing in on these internal use cases, whether it's augmenting the agents, whether it's changing the way that you do quality management by using AI to identify the actual interactions that are worth monitoring, um, or whether it's uh, making contact center agents' job easier by implementing some kind of RPA that they might be able to invoke so they don't have to do routine tasks that wear on them and actually drive improved agent, or sorry, drive increased agent attrition. All of these internal use cases that customers never see will obviously also have a positive impact on their experience with your brand. But more directly, you need to be aiming all of these technologies internally first. Because um, there's just so much that you can improve by by infusing AI into your contact center operations. So, in, no matter what use case we're talking about for customer service, think internal before external. So, those are my two pieces of advice. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ian. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.